Jim Rohn said, money is usually attracted, not pursued. Marlene Dietrich said, there's a gigantic difference between earning a great deal of money and being rich. George Lorimer said, it's good to have money and the things that money can buy, but it's good too to check up once in a while and make sure that you haven't lost the things that money cannot buy. Welcome to Make Shit Happen, episode number 112. Our guest today is Gentry Kelly of Gentry Kelly Cosmetics. Founded in 2011, Gentry decided that she wants to get her own makeup line, a signature makeup line. She made a lot of mistakes while doing so, trying to do a lot of things in a business, trying not to hire the right people, not having any guides, not having any mentors, you know, just winging it. Gentry decided that she was going to start the makeup with $35,000 line of credit she had on her American Express card, flying to Soho, New York, and going and just thinking about, hey, thinking that it's time for me to start a business and not thinking back why, how, and what is she going to do and just starting it. Sometimes it's just best to get started than thinking about it. And Gentry did exactly that. Guys, this is going to be an inspirational episode. I loved it. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you love it. Without further ado, let's jump into this interview with Gentry Kelly. She's so raw, unfiltered, and real. I love it, and I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to Make Shit Happen. My guest today is Gentry Kelly. Gentry, thank you for taking the time and coming over here on the show. I really appreciate it. I know Deanne hooked us up together, and I'm so glad to see you over here. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And uh, before the before the interview started, before we started this podcast, I was talking to you, and I was I'm just so happy that that we met. You know, I love your personality, <laughs> love the love your outgoing and outspoken personality. So thank you for coming. Thank you for making the time. Well, thanks for having me today, Gentry. You you have a, a cosmetic company. Okay, you call it Gentry Kelly Cosmetics. That is correct. And and how did you start that? I mean, what what motivated you or what made you start that? Why makeup? Why cosmetics? Um, the whole makeup thing was an accident. Okay. Like, I always knew as a little girl that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My mom was. She owned a salon that did, you know, hair, makeup, nails. Mm-hmm. So I kind of grew up around that. But I do feel like you're either born with it or you're not. And I always had that hustle, right? So I would do garage sales as a little girl. I'd be, like, begging my mom to take me to my grandma's house. She'd get some junk out of her garage because she was a hoarder. Um, and I started a little bank account, and I was saving money from, like, the age of 8, 9, and 10, right? Really? So when I turned 14, and I was a major tomboy, believe it or not. Like, I didn't have any friends that were girls. I played in the ditch. I rode four-wheelers, climbed trees. I wanted nothing to do with anything beauty-related. Mm. Like, girl stuff, eh, gross, you know? So when I turned 14, she put me in modeling school. I was really skinny, not confident, definitely not attractive. But she put me in there more for, like, etiquette reasons, right? And on the very last Saturday, they had a makeup class. Well, I'd always been an artist, so of course that was very interesting to me. And for the first time, I painted my face with the instruction of the artist, with you know, in a room full of girls facing a mirror. And I looked in the mirror for the first time, I actually felt pretty, right? And you're going through that awkward stage at 13, 14, and you feel ugly, right? I had rosacea, which is some shit white people get, little red spots on their face. So I covered it up, and I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh my God, my rosacea's gone. Look at me, I'm kind of cute, look at that. And I started getting more confident then around that time. Went into high school, started charging my friends $10. This here's that entrepreneurial side of me, right? Started charging my friends $10 to do their makeup or do their nails. And my mom said when I turned 18, hey, when you're going off to school, I can get you a job at the makeup counter. So that's kind of how it started. Um, Like it was literally just supposed to be a job while I was getting my business degree. Um, And then made pretty good money at it. Ended up at Neiman Marcus. They paid for the rest of my college. Learned the business side of it. And I was like, hey, I could do this. You know, 11 years into it, professionally, 16 years from that makeup class. I was like, here I am standing behind this counter and making in two weeks what I could make in a day doing the bridal business, right? And making Neiman Marcus millions of year, putting in my blood, sweat, and tears. And what were you doing at Neiman Marcus? I started at Bobby Brown Cosmetics. So I worked there for five years, um, left because they wouldn't promote me. So I got passed up for promotion, got pissed off, went to go work for a plastic surgeon who was one of my client's husbands. He fired me five weeks later. <laughs> so then I had to go ask my job back. Um, but then they gave me the promotion that I wanted just for a different makeup counter, right? So it was kind of like my push to prove to them they fucked up, made a mistake. They should have promoted me, but they didn't. So they gave me like the shittier counter and the counter that I wanted to work at. I was married to Bobby Brown, right? That was the brand that I loved and adored and all my customers used. Mm-hmm. So for two and a half years, I proved them otherwise. And it was in 2007, 2008 
And Neiman's was trying to file for bankruptcy then. They were in a lot of financial trouble. Every line was running decreases. I was like, I'm going to go in here every day and I'm going to show those motherfuckers they made a mistake. So I told my girls, I was like, I don't care if you have to give sex with purchase. They call it gift with purchase. I said, you can give some sex with purchase. We got to do what we got to do. Get on here, start dancing on the counters. We're going to beat Bobby Brown and we're going to show them that they should have given me a chance, right? Everybody's going to start somewhere, you know? So, so, so what, what, what uh, cosmetic line did they give you? Laura Mercier. Okay. So that's, that was a Houston-based brand, actually. They had an office. Their corporate office was here somewhere in Stafford around this area. That's a big company drive. now. Yeah, they sold for, okay, so Janet Gerwich started the company. She was actually from Houston. I may have my numbers a little off, but I think she invested about $11 million to start the company with a, like a financial group. Um, of investors and they sold it for like $280 million 10 years later. Wow. And now she buys up a lot of smaller companies, pumps money into them. I think Urban Decay is one of her brands, the blow dry bar, things like that. Mm -hmm. So that's who I aspire to be one day. Um, but in the meantime, I'm kind of like learning the ropes of the business now. Um, and I ended up leaving Neiman's, you know, to start a bridal business. And then people just kind of kept coming to me and saying, you know, why don't you have your own makeup line? I'm like, well, I always felt insecure that I never had enough money or I wasn't smart enough. Or, so, so hold on, let's go back over here. Yeah. You said you left Neiman to start the bridal business. And earlier you said that, you know, you were making, you could make money in one day. Let's, let's go back over there. Yeah. So when I worked at Neiman Marcus, you're not really allowed to have Saturdays off. They'll give you a few a year here and there, but that is their prime day where they were always book solid, right? So retail, want, retail is yes, Saturday, Sunday. Exactly. Same thing as you with furniture. Everybody's yeah. off. Everybody wants to go shopping. So you couldn't have the weekends off. Well, what day do people get married on Saturday? So the day that I left Neiman's, I had already been planning and I had, my fiance had a web guy, right? So he designed me a website that I launched it the day that I put in my notice and I quit. My last day, we launched the website and Facebook had just started Facebook business pages. So people actually followed your business page back then, right? So I announced everybody follow my business page. You know, I'm doing wedding makeup. I'm off on Saturdays and all my clients that had been following me were like, great, my friend's getting married. So-and-so I'm getting married, right? I booked $3,000 with the business the first day I launched it. I was like, shit, look at this. Wow. So people started saying, well, now that you're not at the store, you know, how do I, who's going to help me with my makeup? Can you refer somebody? Can you come to my house? So that's kind of how it started. Um, but I was like, you know, I, don't, I couldn't really afford to do my own makeup. I thought I couldn't afford to do my own makeup line. Um, but one day I just, I called this place in New York that I knew Bobby Brown started. I said, hey, I want to start a makeup line. <laughs> I'm from Texas. What do I do? They said, well, I'm sure they get this phone call 900 times a day. They said, well, we have an open house in Soho, New York. Come on over. It's next week. I'm like, shit. I had like $2,000 in my bank account. Uh -huh. And I spent all my money on a last minute plane ticket and hotel because the hotel's in room. You get like a box for $500 a night, right? So I flew out there, spent nine hours at the open house. And I was like, okay, I want to do this. I, don't, I didn't even write a business plan. I went to college to learn how to write a business plan, but I knew I would talk myself out of it. I said, I'm not going to write a business plan. I'm going to wing this shit. How do I pay for this? Because I got no money. I'm poor white trash from Texas. What do I do? They said, well, we take credit cards. I said, perfect. I don't know how, but I had this American Express card, the $35,000 <laughs> limit, and I don't have to pay it off every month. So that's what I did. I charged my very first transaction was like, I think 5,000 ish. Uh -huh. And I was shit in my pants. I couldn't sleep at night. I hate owing people money. So I couldn't sleep at night. I was up. I'm like, oh, I'm making the right decision. Are people going to buy this? And then after like one of the biggest unexpected costs of starting the business was the cardboard boxes that you throw away when you get the makeup. Really? That was $11,000 of my $35,000. Wow. And I was barely the case, the just, just that cardboard boxes, the, the shit little you throw away. The sh yeah. Right. When you get it. Yep. So that was packaging was the biggest expense over what the makeup cost me. Mm -hmm. And so, um, anyway, I charged $35,000 on the card and I was like, I hope this works. I announced on my Facebook page that I was having an, a launch party and 200 people showed up. Really? And I sold $10,000 with the makeup the first day. Wow. 200 people showed up on the yep. first day over the two over a two day period of our launch party. How did that make you feel? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I sold 10,000. I mean, I wasn't expecting I mean, where were you? Much. I mean, were you on cloud nine at that time? You were like, man, this is it. <laughs> well, I made I, it, baby. I really didn't feel that way at first. I was still okay. very insecure about paying this credit card debt off. So what I did was I didn't pay myself. And a lot of entrepreneurs don't pay themselves. And I'm sure you were in this position too. Of course. You can't take money from, and you feel guilty when you're finally allowed to or able to, you feel guilty, right? Yes. So my goal is, my goal was, once I hit a million dollars, I was going to write my first check. So however long it took me to get there, I was going to wait till it hit a million dollars in mm -hmm. total sales. Not like net profit, just total sales, right? Gross sales, right. So what I did was for every tube of lipstick that I sold, because I sold out of almost everything through mm -hmm. that launch party, right? $35,000 didn't get me $35,000 worth of makeup. 
So people were on wait lists for like two or three months waiting for stuff to come in. But for every tube of lipstick that I sold, I would buy two more. And I was really focused year one on building my inventory, mm-hmm. launching new products, building up in case a store ever came to me, I would actually have stuff to sell them. Mm-hmm. So didn't pay myself a dime, literally not a dime. $75,000 on year one, 250000 260000 on year two, then 450000 then 600000 then 900000 This was like per year. Then I got to a million in sales and I couldn't do it. I couldn't write myself that check. I'm like, I'm taking from the company. Yeah, I could write myself a check for $2,000, but I could make 6000 from that 2000 So why would I do that? So, so let me ask you a question. If you're not writing yourself a check, mm-hmm. how are you surviving day to day? No, no. I, it's so funny. A lot of people thought I had a sugar daddy or something along the way. Nobody could put two and two together how I wasn't paying myself, but I still had the bridal business on the side. That's a okay. service-based industry, um, job, right? So you're still doing makeup? Yes. So if I went and did a wedding of six people, right, that's $600. I charge $100 per person. Uh-huh. Well, I did that every weekend. That paid my rent. And I lived in the hood. Uh-huh. I didn't give a fuck where I lived. I didn't want, I would never let anybody come to my house, right? But I knew I had a goal in mind. If I wanted, I couldn't be a $30,000 millionaire, right? I had to hustle, live like well below my means. Whatever was on the dollar menu, I had Taco Bell every day. So my stomach was all fucked up, all kinds of fucked up. $2.15 is what it costs for a double-decker Taco Supreme <laughs> with cheese and no tomatoes. And that's what I would eat every single day because I knew I could eat very low cost. I paid five fifty a month for my rent. I would come home, cars were on blocks. Somebody getting shot, <laughs> like all kinds of bad shit. But I knew that I saw like the big picture of where I could be like five years and 10 years. So I did it. Mm-hmm. It happened. So, so now that you're almost 10 years in business, mm-hmm. right? And I know COVID changed a lot in your business and we'll talk about it later on, mm-hmm. but let's go back. Let's go back to the, to the beginning years, right? So in the beginning years, let's just walk us slowly. Mm-hmm. First year you, you got the first party going in or whatever. How were you promoting your business? Were you just doing Facebook organic? Because at that time you yeah. said you use Facebook and Facebook was, was free at that time. It was totally free. Yeah. Instagram yeah. wasn't around yet. I mean, right. Instagram was, I think around what, 2008, 2009, but it wasn't big yet. It was just for picture taking and checking in places. Right. Right. So it was mostly Facebook that brought me to where I am now to the party. Um, so yeah, I would just post and try to make it exciting, funny, always a little inappropriate. You want to keep people's attention. You can't sell to them on your page you know, 75%. It's got to be like 25% selling, 75% you, right? Keeping mm-hmm. their attention. So at that time, I was wild, crazy, kind of a club girl traveling all around the world, promoting my makeup brand. So it was funny, inappropriate, and it it made them want to support me because mm-hmm. makeup is makeup. All this shit's kind of made at the same place anyway, right? Same factories. It's like only so many recipes you can make a chocolate chip cookie. It's still a chocolate chip cookie. It still has got right. flour, butter, chocolate chips, right? Right. But it's how you market your brand, um, your point of difference, like I was saying, my education part of it. Um, and it was very successful for me. And then once I really hit the bandwagon on Instagram, it got that much more successful mm-hmm. um, because of the features that Instagram allows me to promote my own business. And of course, YouTube too. Mm-hmm. But the book really helped launch. When I launched my book in 2015, 2016, that really helped take my business to the next level, especially like internationally, because mm-hmm. now we ship makeup all over the world. And and, and, and and there's a, there's a great title to the book. What's the name of the book? Hooker to looker hooker to looker <laughs> and i know i know right now the book is on freeze and it's not selling mm-hmm. uh, and and i'm sure that i'm hoping that it'll you know you'll this come year. up with something that, yeah, this, that this, year, year. this year this year we hope to go back into print it's yeah. it's not in print right now yeah so hooker to looker was was the name of the book mm-hmm. which is uh, which is on pause and and um i'm hoping that when it comes to print you know we, we can get you back on over here yeah. and uh but you know the name is crazy hooker to looker where, where did you come up with that name and why that name and Tell me a little bit. Okay, so it's funny. Funny story is my customers name all my shit. I don't name anything. Okay. Well, I have some really funny names to all of my makeup and really cute play on words because my customers name it. So if I come, it's like built in marketing too, right? So if I have a new lipstick coming out, I'll post a picture of the lipstick and I say, okay, you guys name that shade game. They go crazy. Girls love that shit. Everyone wants to name an OPI nail polish. I'm sure you guys probably know about that too. Mm-hmm. It's like they have really crazy, funny names. So whoever names it, if I like your name and I pick your name, then I post you, post your name that you win. You get that product for free when it before it comes out, actually. Mm-hmm. So then you get a free product. Then you get to tell your friends you named everything. So that's like built-in marketing. And then people get to be excited about that. So with my book. So like, give me an example of some of the names that you have. Uh, my, one of my favorite names of all times was Grape Expectations. I love that one. Oh, Grape. Uh-huh. G-R-A-P-E. Uh-huh. Grape Expectations. eyeshadow. Safari. Not sorry. <laughs> it's oh, a green yeah. eyeshadow. Um, let's see. Trying to think of some other really funny cherry go round is a new one. Mm. So that's just like a funny little play on words that kind of describes the color yeah. too. Cherry, red, things like that. Yeah. So it was actually a girl I went to high school with. I was like, okay, 
I love this name, Hooker to Looker. And my book publisher was like, uh, no, we're not using that name. I was like, yes, we are. She goes, nope, that's going to like X out all of the 12 and 13 year olds. Their moms aren't going to give them the book. And sure enough, I named it that anyway. And all the 13 year old moms still bought them the damn book. <laughs> Trust me, at 13, they heard way worse than the word hooker. So, so why, why Hooker to Looker? What, what, made, what made you come up with that name? So I mean, you know, what was the motivation behind that name? So a lot of women you know, don't have proper education on how to apply their makeup, right? But you're applying a mask to your face. And a lot of women actually look like they put a mask on their face, right? So rewind five years, YouTube was getting popular, but it was, there wasn't as many makeup tutorials, I feel like, back then as there is now. Um, so what we do is we apply proper education for the woman who wants to look very natural, girl next door, doesn't want to look made up. That's like the hardest thing to apply is makeup that doesn't look like clown makeup, mm -hmm. right? Anybody can throw some shit on their face and look fucked up, right? But if you want it to look good, like I don't wake up looking like this. I look rough in the morning. I look about 127 years old. I'm real ugly, but I look like I'm halfway decent. Like I'm a five now, but I wake up like a one. So I teach women how to not look made up like a hooker, right? And look more like a looker. So hooker to looker. And that's just kind of like the education aspect of what we offer. Got you. Got you. And so that's what the book was. And uh, you said when, when you first printed the book, it was like 60 pages And then I ended up going well, to... It was a 60-page Word document. It was 120-ish, I think, pages in the okay. actual book. In the actual book. It was a coffee table style kind of book where you like you wanted to show it off. And then it was a conversation starter. Gotcha. So I was like, hooker to looker, what is that? And it had my face split down the middle with hooker makeup on one side and then regular makeup regular on the other side makeup to show the difference. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, so did that, did that book offend anyone? Oh, of course. I had people saying, I can't believe that you're supporting sex trafficking in Houston. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Did you even read the book? Do you even know what this is about? So we actually named it. Before it even came out, people were already giving me flack about it. And my mom was like, I don't know if you should use that name. I'm like, oh, y'all can fuck off. I'm using the name. It represents who I am. But we added the subtitle. So it's called Hooker to Looker. And then a makeup guide for the not so easily offended. If you're offended, don't buy this book. Don't buy this book. Yeah. You can go read Joel Olstein's book. So you can I'm reading mine. <laughs> Okay. I'm I'm looking forward to you know for the book to come out again and you know I would like to read it too and hopefully this summer fingers yeah, crossed yeah hopefully this summer gotta yeah. update it I mean makeup trends change and that's why there's not I've very been many I've been thinking books. about putting some makeup on me too you know perfect that, that, guy section. yeah definitely makeup. yeah but makeup there's not a lot I'm of kidding. makeup books out there there's not a lot of um, he ain't kidding I saw him put I'm lipstick, lipstick on right before we started okay <laughs> um, but there's not a lot of makeup books it's like writing a book on fashion shit changes every six months right so I have to every time I go into print update the book. T uh, tips and tricks and my photography gets better too along the way my what I teach people now isn't what I taught them five years ago right? mm -hmm. so it's a constant evolution and having different volumes every time so so you said you started this business now you know you you're posting on on Facebook and everything right so so and Facebook at that time was completely free I mean not unlike today you know Facebook is more like a play pay to play kind of yep. thing mm -hmm. you know they you post something today on Facebook they'll only serve it to 100 hundred hundred two hundred followers of yours the other people they'll just hide unless you're paying them right but but you started at the right time and then so how did you get the word around besides facebook i mean what would you do i mean will, will you 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 said you had told me that you were going from the trunk of your car tell me a little bit about what what did you do yeah so let's let's rewind back to august 2011 i wasn't in a retail store yet okay you know i had worked for neiman's i called the lady who hired me who was a buyer but she's like kind of girl i get the same phone call like 17 times a day people who Used to work with me starting a brand. Like, you wouldn't be able to meet a PO for us right now. And I knew it was true. Mm -hmm. So I just kept building my brand, building my inventory. Eight months later, I was sold in my first retail store. But what did I do from month one to month eight? Mm -hmm. Literally sold it out of the trunk of my car like a Compton watch dealer, right? Okay. Pull up to people's house, pop my trunk, be like, what, what color you want? I got red, yellow, green, what you want? That's kind of how it started, mm -hmm. um, doing makeup parties. And I told people, you know, I would charge you $200 to do a one-on-one -on -one makeup lesson with you at your house. And then you can buy whatever you want at the end. I'll bring not just my brand, but other brands too. All my kit and caboodles, like a tackle box, I carry it with me. But if you get six more of your friends, I won't charge you. Because I knew my exposure would be to six people instead of one, mm. right? So I would do that, but I would still work day rates at the department store. So I would do day rates at the department store, getting $200 a day for pretending like I was like the big artist from New York or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And then I would do the weddings on the side and go and do individual makeovers. But then I would do these parties. I mean, I was working seven nights a week. I was traveling from Texas and Louisiana. There was a little store in Louisiana. I would come. She would do complete wardrobing for women, and then I would do their makeup. And I would sell like $10,000 a week Wow. Once, once it got a little bit bigger. So I was just literally on the road 24-7. Then once I got my first store, I was like, okay, learning experience here. Then other stores started calling. And then I got into a department store in Louisiana. And then I was in four stores in Louisiana. 
then it was eight stores, you know, and then it got to be where we had 17 stores, but they weren't being managed properly because I didn't have the infrastructure. So we kind of pulled back on that. So now we only have 13, two of which are mine. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really focusing this year on making sure that every single store is like a cookie cutter. Like you want all of your locations for furniture. You want everyone to have the same experience, regardless yes. if they go to the Gulfgate, you know, area or the, the Almeda area or whatever, yeah. right? You want them to get the same experience. You want to have the same stuff on display. You want it to look the same and feel the same. I want that for my makeup brand too. Right. Otherwise that turn into just like any Joe Schmo brand that you can buy at Walgreens. And I don't exactly. want that. Okay. So now, now, you, you were working seven days a week, you know, going still on. Do. <laughs> still do, right? You know how and, it is. You don't ever turn it off. I don't get to, I will never for the rest of my life get to watch a show start to finish uh -huh. without stopping and using my phone. I will never, ever for the rest of my life sit on a beach, enjoy a margarita and not think or talk about work or be on my phone. That will, that's not really who I am anyway. Uh -huh. That will never, I will never have that. I've devoted my entire life to this. Every waking hour is this. Right. And, 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 and you know what? That's good. Uh, but, there will be a time. Well, you know, we'll talk about it. That's a different conversation. <laughs> okay, but let me let me ask you a question. So, so you started the business. Now you're you're going to Louisiana. You're working seven days, popping the tr trunk, mm -hmm. doing makeup parties for these girls, six people. You know, you're also doing your. your I'm like singing an old rap song in my yeah. head now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, pop, popping my trunk. Popping your trunk. <laughs> Look at you. Uh, 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 and then and then you go up uh, and then you go doing the wedding doing the you know wedding scene on on Saturday and you know maybe some parties on Sunday whatever 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 it is right and and getting your hustle on living in the hood seven days a week out there and uh, and, and which you say you're still working I mean seven days a week fast forward it mm -hmm. one year two year three year now today we are 10 10 years in Almost. what did covid do last year to your business so let's because back. I know there's a lot of businesses that suffered and a lot of businesses flourished Yep. Right. So let's back up to March 16th. Let's do it. These, these March are dates, 16, these are dates that I'm never going to forget for the rest of my life. Okay. Right? March 16th. It was, a, it was a Monday, I believe. Mm -hmm. Everybody starts talking about how they're closing the stores and being um, like the best best company of the year award. Sephora is announcing on social media that, you know, we care for our employees. We're going to shut down. And it was putting a lot of pressure on me, you know, especially my business partner. You know, I say business partner. There's multiple offices that warehouse office within my building, right? So her and I are best friends. We work together, but we're technically two separate businesses, right? Mm -hmm. So she wanted to close before I wanted to close. That put a lot of strain on our relationship. I mean, I'm a gangster. Like, I'm not going to go down without a fight. I did not want to close. Um, but come come Wednesday, shit started to really hit the fan. Right. And I, I told all my team, and I don't cry much. I don't have, I have like three feelings and they don't come out very often. But I cried and told my team, I was like, y'all think that in two weeks when we open back up, these people are going to be rushing inside of this building? They're not. People are going to be scared, you know, thank God I had a really good nest egg and I had always prepared financially, like in my bank account, I'd always left a lot of cash flow. Um, I don't over borrow. I don't overspend. Um, and then I also always had a lot of inventory. So I had $3 million retail worth of inventory. Right. Mm -hmm. So I knew I could make it through inventory wise, but I didn't know financially how long this was going to last. Mm -hmm. Like how long can I float my employees? So thinking that it was only two weeks, I told everybody, I said, listen, I'm going to pay all you guys your hourly. If you were on the schedule to work for these two weeks that they're forcing us to close, mm -hmm. I will pay your hourly. But they're 10 and 10, right? They're $10 an hour and 10% commission of what they sell. So there's no, a big part of what they make is their commission. I said, so I don't have time to like recode my website to like have y'all's names in a drop down. But what I can do is a workaround. So my workaround was discount codes, right? I made all of their names discount codes, but the customer didn't get anything for that discount code. They were supporting the girls. I got one penny off, right? But it was a way that I could track what they were bringing to my website. Well, before, I was the only one marketing my motherfucking brand. I was the only one on Instagram hustling every day. And I was so all constantly frustrated. I'm like, listen, I can't handhold this all for you. You know, you guys are getting, why would you not want to? But not everybody thinks like me, right? But I'm like, why would you not want to get on and hustle like me? If you all had as many followers as me, can you imagine what this company could do and what you could bring home, right? Right. So they were like, we don't feel comfortable behind the camera. We're not good like you. I suck too when I first did it. You watch my first YouTube videos, I was like a scared cat. Hi, I'm Ginger. I sell makeup. We buy it. Thanks. You know, but it, it forced them. So I can't complain about all the shit that happened during COVID. It was scary while it was happening, but it forced all of them, some of them single moms with two or three kids, right, to get behind the camera and fucking make some shit happen, right? Uh -huh. And they did. And they had the best month they had ever had. We sold $300,000 online in March. We sold $300,000 online on April. In April. in April. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to take this discount code thing away from you guys. When the store reopens, which it did six weeks later, 
I'm going to make, I'm going to let y'all have all that. So y'all can still hustle online, still hustle inside the store. And some of these girls are making six figures a year now. Wow. As a makeup artist with no degree, right? I mean, it really depends on what you put into it. But the ones that are behind the camera more, the ones that are pushing, we did $2 million online and we did $1 million inside the store. The potential for online next year could be $4 million, right? You can only do so much. You can only, you only have so many hours in a day, so many clients you can see. Internet, endless. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to teach them. And they're, they're finally catching on and now they see and they all bust their ass. So is it safe to say that last year, uh, 2020 was your best year? Yes, it was. So we did 2.1-ish, 2.1, 2.2, it was 2.1, um, 2019, uh -huh. 3.2 this year. Wow, so, so almost 50% increase. So in January, we set our goal to be 3 million. And I thought, when we close our doors, I was like, there's no way in hell we're going to hit that, right? But we did, and we surpassed it. And I had a major surgery in January, right? Like mm -hmm. a full body lift. They, they chopped my body into little pieces and put it back together like a little Barbie doll. Cut all the extra skin off, all that. So I couldn't lift anything over five pounds, right? Uh -huh. For like six to eight weeks. As soon as I hit that That was in January mark, 2020. That was on January 6th. I had that surgery. 2020. Of 2020. Okay. So when we closed down, there was a guy who owned a machine shop in Houston who made all of his people come to work and he got arrested. They were like using, setting an example for him, right? Mm -hmm. So I was too scared to have anyone come help me at the warehouse. So here I go in there by myself every motherfucking day, packing 150 boxes, answering the phone, printing the shipping labels, taking incoming, exporting, like gluing shit together because all stuff comes to us. We do final assembly. I'm doing all of that. I just had a baby too. So I'm like, I have an eight month old at home. I just had this major surgery, can't lift over five pounds and I'm shipping out 150 orders a day mm. for six weeks. I about died. I have three brain cells left because of it. It like literally took everything out of me. It was hard. It was so hard, but it was worth it because I think we were stronger because of it. And I don't think we would have hit 3.2 million if COVID wouldn't have happened. And what, what made you, what made you want to, I mean, what drove you to be out there doing it by yourself? I mean, why? Well, what? I was scared I was going to get arrested. If I made any of my employees come to work, I was like, if I have to fire one of these bitches, they're going to like tell the government that, that I made them come work during COVID and they got the COVID and Fucking their dog died or something. I don't know. Wait, so I was too scared I was going to get sued. So people, some of them were like, we'll come in and help you. I was like, no, bitch, stay at home. Get on the interwebs and start videoing yourself. And, so, and, they, and they video they video themselves. So I literally pushed them. I was like, every day we would have conference calls at 9 a.m. And I would just tell them like, here, today I want you all to push this. This is what we have a lot on hand of, right? Because you're going to push what you're heavy on, yeah. inventory. So we pushed things that I knew. I was like, if y'all sell everyone's favorite color, it's going to sell out. And the manufacturers were closed. I couldn't order anymore. I had two manufacturers that stayed open. The rest of them were closed. Yeah, so let's talk about that because, you know, supply chain was a big issue for, for my business, right? Yep. And you got stuff coming from, uh, is it only coming from domestically or is it coming from internationally Everywhere. too? Everywhere. So my packaging company is in Fort Worth, but their factories are in China. Okay. And I have one packaging company in California and one in um, Dallas, Fort Worth area. Okay. So nobody's packaging is made in the U.S. That's why Clorox, that's why you couldn't get Clorox wipes. Right. Because the actual package that they go in, even though they're filled here in the U.S., the container, that it, yeah. they, they were shut down. So China was behind. So even when China started reopening, we were closing. So I had my, I can't, I can't even sell too much to the store, but one of my manufacturers snuck in and got me something that was on Q&A hold that was like my number one selling item. And she got it off the shelf and out to me. Thank God, or that really would have hit me hard. So, uh, so, so, so not only, not only are you, having challenges, you know, getting the people to work and you're working in the warehouse by yourself because you're scared that, uh, you know, arrested, go to jail. <laughs> yeah, knowing, knowing little that, that, that you could have had warehouse people do fulfillment of, fulfillment of order because Amazon and everybody else was. You no, know, but we weren't essential. Makeup's not essential. So we would, we fulfillment we, is, but fulfillment was, but, but which is fine. Okay. Neither we here nor that. there. Right. <laughs> uh, but, but neither here nor there. So you, you, you just decided you're going to work by yourself, but now you haven't, you know, supply, uh, challenges in your inventory. I mean, you know, your supply chain is broken. Supply chain is all over broken. I mean, everywhere. I mean, people still are, is. It's it still, still is. is. I mean, you know, I'm have, I mean, my industry furniture business is, has got hit hard. I mean, because a lot of stuff come from overseas mm -hmm. and, you know, the container price, the freight prices have gone up, the, the, to get the supplies have gone up, the prices have gone up. That's why, that's why the housing market, you know, the house prices have gone up. Uh, it's taken uh, uh, a house builder instead of, six to nine months now nine to 13 14 months to make a house uh, to build a house and even final good is not made yeah you know overseas parts of it is parts of it like is the cars made in the components you know, yeah the cars made tesla's made in you know california right yeah where do where do those parts come from right yeah overseas everyone has some part in their business made overseas 
that they could not get a hold of or still can't get a hold of or substitute things. So things are changing. Like no, or you give a good example life. of the Clorox wipes, uh -huh. you know, the container that it comes in. And I mean, same thing with Lysol bottles. I mean, you know. The, yeah, it wasn't the that they couldn't make more, right? Yeah. They didn't have the supplies to do it or the ingredients. You, know, exactly. you need raw ingredient and it comes from overseas, Germany, even Germany, whatever. You can't get a hold of those. So they were using substitute ingredients. And actually, I had to do a recall on one of my products. I'm like, something's weird and different. So I called the supplier. She goes, oh, we use a substitute ingredient from a different company. So we didn't get the pigment from here because they went out of business. So we got it from here instead. Well, thanks for fucking telling me. Now I got these customers complaining. It's all fucked up. It's not working right. You know? Yeah. So it's hiccups like that that I'm running across. Customers saying, did you change the formula? Well, I didn't change the formula. But you can use a substitute ingredient. You know, yeah. Butter and, from and one company ain't butter from another company. It's different. Tastes and different. that's why it doesn't matter where people are buying from online. It's like there's a delay in shipment. There's a delay in product uh, production. So, so people yeah. Think, so People think it's an excuse. And I think some companies are using COVID as an excuse for things that they normally wouldn't use an excuse for. Yeah. Right? Um, but majority think, of the company, the majority is. of it is, is something in their supply chain is broken and it takes about four to five companies to make every product that I sell. Mm -hmm. So it's like that with everything. If I, I can't think. get the cardboard box cause they're behind their short staff. My cardboard box companies in California, they're running really long lead times. What I normally can get in six weeks. They have three people working in their warehouse right now. It's taking sometimes 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. So I'm like asking people, Hey, you just bought a powder online. Do you care if it comes in a box? But I think it'll also force people to be like, well, I don't really even need the cardboard box. Huge expense for my company. Yeah. If I can cut that out, you know. Exactly. It's forced people to do things different ways, which is be good and bad. Which can be good and bad. So now you, 2000, 2020 hits, you know, COVID happened, you know, blessing for you. Girls are hustling. <laughs> you know, uh, you're working harder because of the supply chain and everything. What is, what is your, what are you going to do different moving in? I mean, you know, because there's a learning experience, right? People learn from mistakes that they made people learn from lessons that they've learned it might and the hardest lesson that we learn sometimes are a blessing in our business sometimes it's a blessing in our life what what did covid teach you definitely taught me the power of the interwebs right i knew i could do more online uh-huh i didn't really know what i needed to do to get those extra followers or to do the marketing part of it um, so we're really going to hit Instagram this hard. I'm doing a lot of those sponsored ads mm -hmm. um, to get them to follow us. Um, also hiring more layers of management. I can't micromanage everything anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's been the hardest part the first nine years is I try to do too many things. And someone recently said to me, you can't work for the business. You got to work on the business. In the, you cannot work in the business. You got to work on the She's business. Like, I had a little buzzer that I bought on Amazon. And every time that I'd answer a phone call, can I make an appointment? She'd click the buzzer. I'm working for the business, right? And she would flip back and forth and it would tell her what percent per day she worked. And she goes, and every day I would try to cut that percent of what I was working, you know, in the business, right? Mm. And she's like, once you can step away from that and, and trust your team, they're going to make mistakes and they'll have to fix it themselves. So I sat down with every single person on my team, typed up a six-page document of all my expectations of all the things that could happen, right, and how I would handle those things. And they're literally looking by almost like an employee handbook that someone actually reads <laughs> on how to handle each thing so they don't have to come to me and ask me a lot of questions. So now I can take a step back. And what I learned from it is I have to separate myself from the business because what I'm really good at is at the marketing side, the people side, right? They can be shipping the orders. I don't need to be down there doing it. I don't need to be ordering products. I don't need to be a part of that. Funny you said that because I just did a video a couple of days ago that basically I, I talked about if you want to be successful in 2021 in your business, then hire somebody who will do things that you don't need to do. I mean, you know, if you're strong in sales, then you go make sales. But if you're not strong in bookkeeping, hire a bookkeeper. You know, hire someone who's going to pay your taxes. Sean said that to me years ago because he would be like, We're, we need to hire a maid. And I'm like, okay, you're snobby ass. We don't need no maid or housekeeper. He's like, listen. <laughs> My time is more valuable than $120 to spend my entire Saturday cleaning this house. We ain't doing that shit. Yeah. Our time is more valuable than that. So you put a dollar on what your what an hour is worth for you and anything that costs less than that, then you got to pay somebody you, else. To you're do absolutely it. right. I had a I had a uh, ment well, really not a mentor, but this guy, his name was Earl Burns, rest in peace. You know, he he taught me a lot about furniture business and one day he said, and this was, I mean, I was I think I was 23, 20, 24 probably at this time. So last year yeah, last year. <laughs> and I was three years in business and Earl uh, Earl comes to me and said, Sam, what is your time worth? And when he said that, I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? You really have to measure it out. You have to have a and number. I, I said, what do, you, what do you mean? He said, well, what is your time worth, Sam? And I said, I don't know. He said, how much do you want to make an hour? Now remember, this is 24. This is year 2001, I think, right? You're like $22 an hour. Right, and I said, $25 an hour? You know, and he goes, and he goes, well, that's not enough. I said, what do you mean? He said, no, I think you need to have a higher number. I said, I don't know, 
50? He said, nah, I think. I said, well, what is your time worth? And he said, I think my time is worth $400 an hour. I said, $400? Oh, my He's gosh. Like, I'm going to shit my pants. Let me go to the bathroom real quick. And I'm like, I'm like, Earl, that's a lot of money. And I'm like, so so I'm like a math whiz. So I'm like, $400 an hour, that means you're making $3,200 a day. I'm like, hey, I'm like, Earl, if you make five days a week, you're making $15,000. Yeah. And, and I'm just calculating. I'm like, that's 800000 a year. He said, yep, that's not enough. <laughs> Should be making a million dollars a year. It's never enough. And, that's, and you know this for me, it's never enough. And, and, and that's what he said. You think, you think back to when you started and what you're doing per year now. Like for me, I started at $7,000 a year. I, ne I never would have thought I would have sold $3 million. That number seems so big to me. Yeah. When I hit three million. I'm like, I feel like it really should have been thirty million for how much I put into it. Right? And, and 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 you know, you got to understand that there's a difference between people don't understand. There's a difference between sales, mm -hmm. yeah, and the I gross wish, sales. I wish I had three million dollars in my bank account and net profit, <laughs> right? But yeah. uh, but but uh, and and uh, and a lot of people don't understand that. But uh, so so he told me he's like he explained it. He broke it down for me, and I'm like, okay, well, wow. He's like, well, how much do you want to make? I'm like, well, I think I'll be okay with her. Hundred fifty thousand at that at that time. He's like, okay, well, let's just divide it. That's what your time is worth. Now, every time you you know fucking around with Dick and Tom, Dick and Harry, mm -hmm. you got to remember what is your time worth. And and I mean, Which you, you could have been doing with that time exactly. Right? You could have made the company ten thousand, twenty thousand exactly. In that time that you're out there showing somebody a couch, you got time for that, right? People, so people will call me from the basement because we have a, a basement inside of our building, and they'll be like, "Can I? Can you come up here and color match me?" And they're like, "She's not here." Oh, oh I saw her car. A personalized license plate. I saw her car. I'm like she's in a meeting. Well, I want her to match me, and I'll come up there and I'll tell them. I'll be like, I hired this team so they can do it for me. I train them. I can't be up here color matching people all day because if I do, you won't have no shit to buy. Yeah, and and you know what? It took me a long time to to think about to do that. I sold furniture on the floor, sales floor, mm -hmm. for first twenty years, and I mean I've been well. I was going to ask how many how many years is your company nineteen years? So it'll be twenty three years this year. In June. So it's just until really recently that you yeah. stepped back and started yeah. working Nin on the company. Yeah, 19, 19 years. I mean, I work seven days a week mm -hmm. every day. I mean, every week, six days a week, 60 hours, 65 hours. I mean, you know. I, I remember when you started. You do? Yeah. I mean, I'm old enough to know. Um, I think, was it the Almeida one your first location? Almeida Mall. Inside from, the mall. I'm from Friendswood, Clear Lake, so oh, yeah. I drive past it all the time. I don't remember well, no, inside no, the mall. I was, you, bought, I, you bought the shoe store. No, so shoe store was in 2005. Okay. Seven years. I was already in business for seven years. Okay. When so I did the shoe store. I think I, I knew of you maybe a little bit before that shoe store because I recognized your brand already because you had already started doing like ads. Yeah, ads TV. and stuff. Right, right, yeah, right. So I recognized right. your brand and then I saw that next. Yeah. yeah. Don't, let's not bring those ads. What was that shoe? What was that shoe company? Just for feet. That's it, yes. Just okay. for feet. And uh, and I mean, you know, so I, I did the just for feet in uh, the, uh, in Almeida area and then the Southwest area, which at the Southwest store, I've completely transformed it. Almeida, I'm going to transform it in... Hopefully this year. Just buy the whole mall. Uh, well, Spray I, I own that. <laughs> I own that. I own that. Uh, that store now, by the way. Oh, good. So, so you leased it at first, and then you ended up buying it from the. I ended up buying it from, from, the, from the mall. From the mall. Oh wow! I ended up buying it from Simon. It used to be Simon long time ago. Then they sold it to other people. Then they sold it to other people. Awesome. Now some other companies. Well, that's great prime real yeah. estate. So yeah, that's what I. That's what I bought it. I'm like you know one day we'll it'll pay dividends and and you know I'm just gonna make sure that uh. Um, I'm gonna redo the redo the store and make it look good and make it look like my brand. You know, you probably seen the Webster store. So I have not seen the Webster store. Yeah. Where where is it in Webster? What Nash Road one okay. and uh, forty five. So I mean, my my oh, whole yes, yes. I think I have, but I didn't realize that was it was you. Yeah. So our, Are you all our fries, fries. No, so fries? I, the other okay. side from fries. Okay. All our stores oh. now look the same. Yes. All our stores look the same except the the Almeida store, which which we will transform. You're by the plant so. store. I'm by I'm next to fries. Okay. Right next I to know. fries. Right, 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 right. Um, but anyways, let's go back to you. Okay. So you started investing in your business. Let's go back from, to the early ages. Mm -hmm. Okay. Start, you know, doing prehistoric the ages, you know, right, the, prehistoric when I was the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're doing, you're doing these makeup parties. Mm -hmm. You're doing, uh, you know, you're doing all those, uh, you know, on the weekends, you're doing the weddings, getting your money together. Well, you know, five years, it takes five years to reach a million dollar in sales three, yeah three three years three months three years three months to reach million dollars in sales okay um you're building your inventory at this time what was some of the things that you wish you would have done in the first three four years that you look back and you say you know what if i would have done it this way or if i would have known better i would have done it a different way no regrets <laughs> no i think 
everything that I, every decision that I have made has brought me to where I am now. So I can't say I can be regretful of anything that I did to get me here because any decision that I could have made differently could have led me to not be sitting here right okay, now. Okay, fine. So let right. me just put it this way. What, do I, so what were some of the bumps and bruises? mistakes I made? No, <laughs> let's just talk about bumps and bruises. Like something that was not in your control and it happened. And you're like, if this would have happened, I would be 10 so steps ahead. Things I would have wasted a lot of money on. Um, whatever, whatever it could be. Is my, some of the manufacturing part of it. So when I first started, I started private label, right? I'm sure you know what private label is. Some people don't. But yes. every industry has it. It's white label, whatever you call it, to where you buy the stuff that has already been produced and they put your logo on it, right? Yes. But it's easily to recognize that other people have your shit, right? Mm -hmm. Jessica Simpson does not make her own shoes. It's right. private label, white label, right? So I started that way, but quickly started to realize that people were recognizing my stuff. Like, oh, I saw this on Instagram. It looks just like you. Is this girl copying you? How do you explain that to a customer, right? So section by section, I started taking things out of private label and making self-manufacturing it. Mm -hmm. But I had no experience. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, right? So here I am trying to buy packaging and not doing compatibility testing and then the manufacturer not making me do it, filling it, and then having a batch of 2,500 or something and the viscosity of the product, the thickness of the product, doesn't fit through the freaking hole, uh -huh. you know? So then you have to dump 2,500 pieces of something that cost me like five figures to buy that's trash, right? Mm -hmm. So I could have invested that money more wisely had I had taken the time and hired the right people below me. But when you're doing everything, you don't have time to fine tune or perfect anything. It's like turn and burn, money in, money out, and hope for the best. Right. So I made a lot of mistakes in manufacturing along the way that I really wish I would have either had a mentor or maybe been on the more of the back end somewhere else. Right. I had the sales down. I had the marketing down I had the social media down. But the back end of it, I didn't have a lot of experience. So I had to learn as I go. And I made a lot of mistakes financially with that. Um, but it didn't put me in a bad place. And the good news is I always paid cash for everything. Mm -hmm. Never, ever, like what I charge on the credit card, I pay it off every week, right? Mm -hmm. I never, ever got a, a line of credit or a loan. Everything that I do is with my money, right? Uh -huh. So it didn't put me in a bad financial decision uh, situation because I, you know, had all my, my money wrapped up in inventory and couldn't pay the bills, you know? So you, how how much of you will say your success or how much of your success, uh, and I know you're still building, but how much of your success so far you, you'll say has to do with social media, Instagram, oh, Facebook? All of it. All of it? If there was no social media, I don't know how I would have got out there and marketed myself. I mean, the department stores wouldn't have, and I never really wanted to sell to department stores. Let me just start with that. I always wanted to be more of a boutique kind of brand. Because mm -hmm. I knew 10 years ago, department stores would not be around in 10 years. I knew that. I called it a long time ago. I said, it's too much real estate, too many layers of management, too much overhead. Department stores are not going to be around. Internet's going to take over somehow, some way with the whole shopping thing. It happened a little bit faster due to COVID, right? Faster than I probably thought it was going to. Mm -hmm. Um but I knew I wanted to sell like in more boutiques or have my own stores um, or focus mostly online. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you say, hey, uh, this is something I haven't done yet and I want to do it in the next two years in business, what would it be? I really want to like catapult the online side of it. I don't really know what my point of difference is going to be to make my brand stell out, uh, stand out just yet, but I can foresee myself being what drunk elephant just did in houston if you know what that is yes Get i know exactly brand. what that is yeah <laughs> 900 some million dollars Eight, yeah 800 million dollars I think. 800 million dollars yeah, started three years after me and had just a few a handful of products i have 450 SKUs, right uh -huh. she had i think 10 maybe 20 right what seemed so far away and never within my reach because here you know poor white trash girl from friendswood texas right without any money i'm not smart enough i don't have family that has money i didn't have anyone to help me i didn't really want to go get investors and have someone tell me what to do i could never be that now i see myself getting there but something that i have to focus hard on is not doing the manual labor every single day inside of my store i don't want to spend each one of my locations cost me over a million dollars right but i buy the buildings i don't lease so i buy the buildings then i invest you know 200, 300, 400,000 dollars into remodeling them. I don't want to keep duplicating that because I don't need any more brick and mortars. The brick and mortars are my advertisement. The retail stores are my advertisement, right? But getting them to come back and replenish online and upselling them. That's my goal. And that's what I think is going to take me. It's the data. It's the customer base. It's the technology. Having, I just started an app, but having an app that someone can just take a picture of themselves and it would spit out all the colors you would need, like foundation colors. Mm -hmm. Like I want to have something like that because that is what's going to get I'm going to be able to sell for big numbers one day. Right. So Good. that's my main goal. You might have Laura Mercier call you. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> you know. Um, so say, you you say, you you kept saying like, you know, hey, I, I, I put a big chunk. I put a big chunk of my money. Mm -hmm. I don't owe anybody. I had big cash flow. 
So, so I'm, I'm assuming you're one of those people who, who, who save. You're a saver. Yes, I always save for a rainy day. Thank God. Okay. But, and what, um, what, what, what caused that? I mean, did, we said, did we said was, this in the beginning, and I, I, I had credit cards, just like every other college student got a Capital One card in the mail, right? And it's so funny when I look back because I think my limit was maybe a thousand dollars on this credit card, but I mm-hmm. always had like nine seventy five charged on it. I had never paid a bill late in my entire life. Whatever I had to do, if I had to be a beer promo girl for the night to make a couple hundred dollars, whatever I had to do, I was a hustler and I always worked two or three jobs to make it happen, right? Yeah. So Yeah, you I said prostitution was one Prostitution. If I had to go down to Eddie V's one night, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> right? No, I did not do that, let me just say. Because a lot of people did think that in the beginning. They're like, how could she afford this, right? She's just a little club girl. She don't know. Um, but I always paid my bills on time. I really researched how to have a badass credit score. So I had an over 800 credit score when I was like 25, 26 years old because I knew how to play the game to get that, right? So I worked so hard and I just never wanted to mess anything up. But I remember really stressing out about owing money on a credit card. I mm-hmm. thought to myself, I was like, oh my God, how I can't sleep at night. How am I ever gonna pay off this $975 credit card? <laughs> now I look back and I charge that in five minutes now. You know, so now there's like, I'll look at my credit card right now, probably put $30,000 on it, you know? to make the pay that make that thirty thousand dollar payment and a week later it's thirty thousand dollars on there again you know yeah. so the numbers they don't feel the same as they did um but I, I don't ever leave anything on a revolving card i use like a chase inc business card i don't even know if you're even allowed to do that on that card i like to collect my points so i get to travel for free um but i feel like not owing or not getting a line of credit when i really don't need it and spending mm-hmm. my own money puts me less at risk for global pandemics so a lot of companies they don't even carry as much cash as me like I, I started recently finding out, I'm not going to say how, but someone who looks at a lot of businesses like credit and how much money they have cash flow, I have more than some companies that you would think carry billions in their bank account. And yeah. it's shocking to me because I never felt like it was a whole lot, you know, yeah. but I don't know what to compare it to. Yeah. But that's definitely why I made it through the pandemic without. You know, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in, in having uh, savings, right? And uh, and you got to, because it's, you, you got to have the rainy day fund. I learned that. Um, you know, from 2008, 2009 recession, you know, uh, you got to, you know, I'm a firm believer of having six months worth of rent, at least three to four months worth of payroll, you know, yeah. make sure a lot of the, the stuff is paid for. Uh, same thing with me. I don't have no no business debt except my real estate, yeah. you know, debt. Um, so, I mean, which That's is. The only debt I have is my real estate debt as well. Yeah. yeah. So but to me, it means more to have cash in the bank. It feels peace better. of mind. It gives you like, it's crazy how it gives you a number in your bank account, gives you more confidence than actually having that fancy car. Right. And now that I don't, I don't drive a piece of shit, right. I like my nice car, I like a nice house, but I don't have to have a bunch of material things. Exactly. Right? I get it. I'm not the girl that has 15 Hermes handbags. I don't, that doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. That bag says status for someone who ain't got shit. I'm right. trying to prove they have something. I used to be that person. Yeah. I used to drive like a beat up old Porsche Cayenne. $23,000 for that thing. It was like, how does she afford that car? My bitches beat the fuck up. I pay more in repairs than I would a month than I would pay. But I look good and people take me serious when I pull up and I pop my trunk. I got a Porsche Cayenne. They're going to buy my mic up. But that, I mean, in the beginning, I had to do it, right? For the status part of it. Yeah. But now I'm just like, that doesn't even mean anything. That doesn't even phase anything. Uh, you said you like to travel. Yeah, used to. Yeah, used to. <laughs> tell, tell me about that. So my favorite place in this world is Tulum, Mexico. Oh yeah, I think like fourteen times. Mm, um, beautiful. Yeah, and I—that's my reward for working hard, right? Is I don't pay for my trips. I so why Tulum? My credit card. I just love the vibe. The vibes. That's the, the young kids. The, have, vibes. the vibes there. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It's laid back. It's a little hippie. Their food is fucking amazing. Everything is made outdoor. I love like fa- kind of the fa- Latin fa- cuisine. Yeah. So so which one is your uh, favorite restaurant in Tulum, Mexico? Uh, Casa Banana. Casa Banana. Where is that at? Um, they moved. It was like a. It was kind of towards the end. Now it's like kind of towards the middle. But it's getting a little bit. When I went last time, I took my girls on a trip. I said, if you sell, and I gave them all a goal, $30,000 each. I, I went, I've been, to this, won, I've been I, to this place called Murmur, and it's right oh, in front yeah. of Rosa, Rosa Negra. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. I don't like Nosa, uh, Rosa Negra. I don't like it's it either. It's a little bit too commercial. That's not what Tulum yeah. was. Like what yeah. Tulum is now, I mean, people will say that about 20 years ago, Tulum, right? I'm looking for that new place now because it's yeah. kind of getting a little over commercialized. Because during the pandemic, everybody was at home on their Instagram, seeing people just po- post pictures of Tulum, and then they all they all went afterwards. I posted I posted a story the other day. I said I said, is it only me, or is, was everybody going to Tulum during summer? Yeah. And now everybody's going to where the you know where the snow is at. Yep. So <laughs> it's a really cool place. So their food is amazing. I, I love, love the it. hotels. I love the chill vibe. The beach is beautiful. Yeah. Which hotel? What's your favorite hotel? Closer towards the end. Okay, I on love, the on the hotel zone, so more towards uh, Casa Malca yeah, so area. I don't love Casa Malca, actually. 
Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. Um, the, the service kind of sucks. The hotels, I mean, it's pretty in the side of the rooms, but their pool's kind of eh. I really like Nomad and Beetaloom. Beetaloom oh, is my favorite. Beetaloom and no, Nomad, yeah. That's those are nice ones. It's expensive as shit, but it's expensive okay, like, as shit. Points. That's why it's expensive as shit. He was a point, it's free. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't been to Luca just a couple of times, but we'll talk about that later. So tell me, tell me, uh, investing in, you know, you said you're investing in your own business. That's one thing that you like to do. You said you have some real estate loan. Are you in, I mean, is that something you want to own your own properties? Or, I mean, is that a goal or yeah, what is so, it? You know, my fiance is in commercial real estate. He buys and sells like shopping centers and stuff, owns stuff in oil and gas. Um, but watching him, I'm like, why would I ever pay for nothing, right? Pay for a shopping trip for what? To pay $8,000 a month to have a place and then I don't see, I build it out and then I don't ever get that money back, right? Mm -hmm. So um, he's really good at finding good deals. And I was on LoopNet and my search criteria was really small. And one day he said, why don't you expand it out one street? And I was like, my people aren't going to drive that far. He's like, bitch, expand that shit. And I expanded it in three hours previous to that. Someone had listed that property and it had a billboard on it. Wow. And I got a billboard, a 30 by 10 billboard. Oh yeah, exactly where you're telling me where you're, you're right down the It's all washed out. Don't judge me. There's like, you can barely see my face right now. I'm, I'm about to get it refaced. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to own so I would have something, you know, 15, 20, 30 years from now. If I sold the business, I could sublease it back. Sublease it back, exactly. Who doesn't want to own property in Houston on the freeway? Of course. Who will? Uh, what? What are some of the advices that you will give to somebody who's a, to be, uh, you know, who wants to be an aspiring entrepreneur? I mean, you've been in business now 10 years. I mean, that's a milestone. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, and you learned a lot. You know, I told somebody the other day. I'm like, I'm like, I didn't, I didn't finish, I didn't finish college, but I've probably, I've probably paid more than three Harvard degrees, you know, with, with all the, with all the mistakes I've made, you know? Yeah. So, what, I mean, what is some, some uh, advice you can give to aspiring entrepreneurs or people who want to be in their own business, mistakes that you made that they, sh that they, you know, you, they should avoid or lessons that you learned from in your life. Yeah. The support system that I had from my friends, I don't think I could have made it without that because they worked for free in the beginning. They helped me label the makeup. They helped me glue the makeup into the compacts. Like having, friends and your and, and asking for help. I'm not the kind of person to ask for help. They offered their help, but ask for help from your family and friends. You got it. You got, you can't pay all the labor. If you don't have an investor, you can't be paying all these things out in the very beginning. Right. Mm -hmm. So because my friends helped me do all that, uh, I paid my friends $50 a day to do that launch party with me. That's nothing. That's not even like their parking money. Right. Yeah. But because I had that support system helping me in the very beginning, making connections, really pushing myself on social media, working every single day, not taking a day off and not paying myself. Mm -hmm. I think people start to pay themselves too soon instead of reinvesting it back into the business. Mm -hmm. As soon as they make their first dollar, they're like, ooh, where am I gonna spend it? You can't, you can't live like that. Yeah. You can't live beyond your means, you know what I mean? I always lived well below my means so I could afford to do more for my business, right? For every two good ballistic I sold, I bought two more. That was more important than paying myself. And I know not every person in every situation can have the service base and the product base and have it so sustain each each business right it just kind of worked for me that was a good recipe for success for me mm -hmm. um but just get out there and hustling and not taking no for an answer you know and figuring shit out most people sean said to me he goes the reason why you're going to succeed and all your employees i think that they're going to start their own makeup line five of them already tried still trying he goes they're not going to do what you do because when most people come to a roadblock you find a way around it they don't they stop they get frustrated they give up so finding a way around the roadblocks and not taking no. If someone says, oh, you can't do that, but why? You tell me, I need to know, but why? And research ways around it or to innovate and find a problem and solve it, right? Everybody knows XYZ is frustrating, right? Find a solution to that frustrating problem and you're an instant millionaire, right? But you got to just keep pushing through it. Gentry, I got to commend you. You know, one thing that, you know, we, we both share this thought process, like, you know, reinvesting in your business, you know, sell a piece of, sell a, you know, sell a lipstick, buy two, you know, buy two more or, or sell something, you know, and reinvest in your business, build your inventory, mm -hmm. uh, you know, make sure that the customer has a better experience all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, technology, like you, like you mentioned earlier, you want to have an app that, that does all kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's what make a real business, you know, a business mm -hmm. versus a, a hobby, uh, you know, or people who, are in the business to make a paycheck. They just, when they start yes. their business, because they just want to make sure that they buy a job. Well, right? shockingly, it's not about the money to me. But yeah. It's about the numbers, but it's not about the money. And um, Dave Chappelle said this one time when I was watching him in person, right when he came back, right? He's like, I just realized before I had the breakdown, I'm at the same restaurant eating the same motherfucking steak that this guy's eating. 
I have 50 million, he's got 500 million. We eat in the same motherfucking steak. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's like. It's, there's really no difference whether I have a million in my bank account or 10 million. The, the only difference is the private jet situation. But besides that, there's no difference. To me, it's more about show, proving to myself that I can do it. And I think it's because I didn't have a really great, like, I have a little bit of daddy issues, you know. Never feeling like I was good enough and always trying to prove myself. I think I was kind of born that way, right? And then getting passed up for that promotion at Neiman's, right? I was always trying to prove myself. And then when I started my own makeup line, the little bitches at the counter were like, she ain't never going to be successful. I don't know why she's wasting her money, her time. She ain't going to be nothing. Watch me, bitch. Watch me, nay, nay, because I'm going to do it. And I did it. And it's constantly trying to prove to myself, like, why do I think that I can't sell my business for $800 million? What's holding me back? What's the reason why I can't do it? There is not a reason. I can't come up with a reason. I just got to fucking work harder and find ways to be more innovative. And don't watch what my competitors are doing. Don't worry about what my ex-employees are doing. They don't matter. They're never going to be me, right? No one's ever going to work as hard as me, and that's okay. I need to focus on me and, and put the blinders on. I don't even look at people and say, what's, what's the trend this season? I don't give a fuck what the trend is. I do what I want to do, right? Because I'm not watching everybody else. I'm watching me, and I focus on me, and all the other stuff is white noise. Exactly. And so I think staying focused is really important, to, too, and you can't be getting all tied up in family drama or friend drama. If anyone causes drama in my life, you get cut out. I don't care if you're family blood or not. You get cut the fuck out because I don't have time for that. Right. That, and that's, that's a good, that's a good recipe for, you know, staying on track. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a, it's a good way to stay on track. So, we, you know, when, when I, when I'm ending the show, I always ask three things, right? It's like, we, we call them like three vices, three advice, how to live life, whatever it is. So let's just say I'm going to, and we're coming towards the end of the show. And I want to ask you, I want to ask you this. So let's say if this, today was the end of the world, uh, end of, end of your life. And oh you are <laughs> moving, you're moving to the next one, all your Instagram pages, all the podcasts you did, all the YouTube videos, all the books you wrote, they're all gone. And they, they hand you a pen and a paper. That's kind of how I felt on March 18th. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they hand you a pen and paper and they said, Gentry, leave three things for your future generation, your kids, your grandkids, oh. the rest of the world, how you should live life, what you should do, you know, how to conduct, you know, in every day or Whatever, they give me anything, right? You know, what, what will you leave? Um, what, what will you say? Of advice? Well, you don't have to have money to make money. I don't okay. like that saying. You I don't have money to make money. I don't feel like that's true. You don't but have I to. I didn't. Okay, so explain that. Expand on that. You don't have to. You don't have to have money to make money. You don't have to have money to make money because I didn't. Expand. I worked really, really hard to have really good credit. I never had money, right? I told you I had two thousand dollars in my bank account, and that was actually on the high end of what I normally had, right? I bought a last-minute plane ticket to New York. And that hotel room, which pretty much wiped me out. I didn't know where the next dollar was going to come from, but I was able to take a risk. And I was not a risk taker. That's the funniest part. I was At that time, I was insecure, right? But I did it because I believed in myself enough that if I could do it for Neiman's, I could do it for myself. And I did it, right? But I continued to live well below my means for a very long time and made it work, right? So next thing is the obstacle thing that I was saying earlier. Number two would be finding a way around the roadblock. I think so many people get frustrated. I get frustrated with technology. Technology just pisses me the hell off. So does accounting and bookkeeping. Like this, the second someone says that word, it's like this fire in my, in my heart and it falls down to my stomach and I get pissed off about it. I don't like doing those things, right? Um, but there's sometimes that I come to something, I can't just get frustrated. I have to just take a step back, meditate for a hot minute and be like, okay, I've got to figure out how to do this because I, if I can't get around it, I'm not going to be successful and I always find a way around it. And if that doesn't work, I just make a whole new route. All right, third one. Hmm. What was number one again? <laughs> number one was like it doesn't take money to make money. Yeah, I charged on a credit card and I made yeah. it. I'm number two, thinking. number two is finding around the roadblocks. Ooh, third one's hard. Third one can be anything. I think just like investment of time. Like don't every day counts, every minute counts, every hour counts. You can't waste your time around bullshit people that bring you down. You got to cancel out the white noise and focus on you. Because I feel like I'll turn 40 this year. Where I could have been if I would have started this a little earlier. If I would have had a little bit more confidence a little earlier and would have canceled out all that drama, shit talking, comparing, like a suburbia, right? In suburbia, everybody does that. Everybody drives the same damn suburban. But everybody, whoever has like nicer rooms or whoever got the LT package, they, they, they better, they got more money. None of that matters, right? I had to get out of that. And at least where I was, where everybody was comparing to one another. In Houston, it's totally different. Where I live now, if you're doing badass, everyone wants to be around you because you're a badass. Because they all want to lift each other up. And it was so much comparing where I came from 
And I think that once I turned that off and I was around people who were more successful than me and not wasting my time with people who were bringing me down, mm-hmm. right? Either emotionally or financially or mooching off of you or whatever, that I was able to jet forward. You know what I mean? Gotcha. What, what, is, uh, what are you missing in life right now in your, in, it, at this point in your life? You know, I'm not like a real girly girl, nor do I have a lot of emotions, but the hardest struggle for me now is that my son, who is now 19 months old, doesn't attach to me like most kids attach to their mom, you know, because I'm not around a lot. He has nannies that take care of him. That's hard for me. It's hard emotionally to know that he runs to them before he runs to me. Mm. And I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to be like forever for some of just limited time because he's a baby and he's just around them more or whatever. That's that's the hard part. And I, I'm hoping that I don't regret that because I think that's part of like the daddy issues that I have. Right. My dad was never around. He worked shift work. He always made his priorities like his hunting and his fishing over me, never took me with him. Right. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have a good relationship, more stuff than that. But he was never really around. And I don't want that for my son either. Right. Mm. I want him to come to work with me like I came to work with my mom. I want him to learn the ropes because he's going to be taking over the shit one day. Mm-hmm. Me or his dad's, you know. Got you. Got you. And uh, define define one thing. So one thing that that you say that made you more successful. I understand, you know, the time, the the, the saving the money, the relentless, the, the finding the roadblocks. But if you got to say there's one thing that kept you grounded. Always being true to myself. Actually, my PR person, who you know, too, <laughs> told me in the very beginning, she's like, you can't be cussing on social media. You can't be doing that. You got to be more professional. And I think that was always like just the atmosphere of uh, customers always right. Mm-hmm. Don't cuss out the customer. Don't say the bad words. Be professional. Fuck that noise. <laughs> I told her, I was like, that is one thing that you're wrong about. I'm sorry. I'm probably, tr- I probably turn off a lot of people. Uh-huh. I get a lot of unfollows. I get a lot of follows. I get a lot of unfollows, probably more than most people. If I didn't get as many unfollows as I had, I'd probably have 100,000, 200,000 followers by now. But I think I offend a lot of people, but that's okay because I don't want those people in my circle. I don't like judgy people. Mm-hmm. I don't like people who get overly offended. I don't like people who were like straight laced. You know, I came from not like the, the cleanest place of town. You know what I mean? I, so I, I, I can't relate to people that are like that because that's just not who I am. But I attract people who, because I'm relatable to them. And those are the kind of people I want in my circle. Gotcha. Right? So... I'm 100% myself on social media. I get up, I blog in the morning, like with no clothes on in bed. <laughs> Are you naked? Is that a bra? With no makeup on, hair looking all busted, weave sideways. I don't care what anyone else thinks about me anymore, right? I own a beauty company. I get on there with yesterday's makeup, haven't brushed my teeth, got spit all in my lips, <laughs> drinking my coffee in the morning and blogging at people. I think appreciate that from me because I am so real and I don't try to play a game and, and put up a facade. Like, this is really how my life is. Everything's hunky-dory when it's not. It's not everybody. Everybody has everybody has some kind of flaws. Everybody has some kind of weaknesses. Yeah. And I and I also like that customers always write bullshit. To go back to that, not here. Mm-mm. I let I train my customers. If you call my store and you're an asshole, you get called out on social media. I tell everybody what a fucking asshole you are, and I don't want you shopping with me because I'm not tending to that. I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. My girls do not. They don't take any abuse, right? I don't. I don't tolerate that. And I ask customers to leave all the time. It's great. That, that's good. Good for you. <laughs> like I love when you call out customers online. It's hilarious. Good for you. So Gentry, where can they find you on social media? Gentry Kelly Cosmetics um, on Instagram. G-E-N-T-R-Y. J. Kelly. J. But oh, everyone, J. Everyone, sorry. Always, I was just about to say, you got to spell it with a J. J-E-N-T-R-Y. Yeah. If you do J-E-N-T-R-Y, it'll come right up. There's two of them. You'll see my food page, Gentry Eat Shit, or you'll see Gentry Kelly Cosmetics. Okay. K-E-L-L-Y? E-Y. E-Y. K-E-L-L-Y. L E Y, no, I got it. I just want to make sure that that everybody who's listening uh, can can hear J E N T R Y, K E L L E Y Cosmetics, and uh, the, uh, so you're on social media as. Uh, what about your personal? Is is that what it is, Gentry? It is. It's all. My my life is my business, so I don't okay. have a personal. I okay. Actually, I don't even know the login to my. I made one. I, also, I took my name so no one else could take it because I learned that about my book. The uh-huh. second that I announced the name of my book when we were naming it, someone bought the website. Oh, I was like, who is this motherfucker? I found out how he knew was one of my guy friends had me up in their garage and a bunch of dudes were watching the TV and he was saying, like, oh, this is and Facebook pulled up. It's my girlfriend. I grew up with her. Da, da, da. The guy went and bought the domain. Oh, my God. Shady guy. I was like, fuck you. I don't need the domain. I have my own website. I'm going to drive business and my makeup line anyway. So he just bought the domain for nothing. Wow. So Gentry. Uh, so he has hooker to mm-hmm. Wow. He don't use it. He don't use it. He just he just he's gonna keep holding on to it. That will never ever. He, he I just don't care he just wasted money. x amount of money on there. It's five dollars. He ain't getting shit from me. Yeah, gentrykelly.com uh, is the website. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Gentry. Before I let you go, goal is what? Eight hundred million. 
If I could sell for eight hundred million, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with that. They always say, "What would be your number?" Um, my number would probably be closer to hundred million. <laughs> <laughs> Someone off me hundred million, it'd be hard to pass that up. Um, but like, I mean, it's me, a lifestyle a, change. Is there really a difference between having a hundred million to eight hundred? Besides, you'd be able to make a lot more investments with the eight hundred. Not really, but it's just whatever I feel like it's time and it's re and I'm ready. I will, but I can't literally cannot imagine what else I'd be doing with my life because I really do still enjoy. It. I'm not burned out yet. Once I get burnt out, that's a different story. I'm well, you got a long way it. to go. Yep. Yeah, I can feel the passion. I can I can see the passion. I can see the the fire. Long ways to go. Well, hey, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your story with us and i want to get you back on when you get the hooker the hooker to looker yeah, we'll do it. book back on we'll do it pray everybody say a little prayer for me that this summer it'll be ready to, uh, ready to print again let's go let's go let's get it done and i mean i'm i'm hoping uh, uh you know i'm hoping that you can get your number this year which which is you five said five million, million. five million i think five. we can we got the two stores now we're really going to hit it hard on doing the instagram explorer page there's a way that you can advertise on that somehow where you you know even when you open up the explorer page there's all kind of crazy shit on there right yeah they throw in some business stuff too um, and they just started doing ads on that. So I don't know what it costs yet. It's probably like two or three grand, I'm sure, a pop. But if, hey, if it brings me that business, it's going to be repeat business. Inve invest in your business. Yep. Invest in your business. Your yep. business will pay you back. Yep. You know, um, that's that's one thing that, that I'll, I'll, I'll sum this up. A lot of people, you know, when they make money, which one thing I loved about you is one thing, live below your means. I lived below my means for a long, 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 long time. Even even till today, I still, you know, people, people always tell me that, Man, you're tight. I'm not tight. I mean, I don't need it. You know what I mean? I just don't need it. Well, my girls probably think I'm tight about a lot of things. Like a yeah. penny here, penny there, but pennies make dollars. Yeah. I used to work with a lady who'd always say that. That's so true. Pennies make dollars. And it means more to have the money in my account than to blow it and have a material thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I understand. Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. Guys, I loved it. I love her openness. I love her raw attitude. And and I hope you enjoyed it too. I got to learn a lot from her. Um you know, from the little conversation we had. I hope you did too. I hope you take some value out of this. And how Gentry decided to change this thing and now doing over $5 million in retail sales is some is nothing short of applauding her of, her, of her hard work, her perseverance, and her tenacity. If you enjoyed this, if you think somebody can listen to this and get some value out of it or some lesson out of it, please share this episode to them. Please spread the word of Make Shit Happen podcast because without you, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't spread the platform. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for uh, being part of this Make Shit Happen podcast. And 112 is officially in the books. Now let's go out there and make shit happen. <laughs>